before you again, Father, and, and just praying and, and asking for your forgiveness for what we do in our flesh, Father. And you know us. You know our, our beings. You know what caused us to rise, what caused us to fall. And you're still with us no matter what. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for the opportunities that you give us, uh, second chances, third chances, 70 times seven chances to get it right. So we're just so grateful for how you just continue to love us in spite of ourselves. And I just pray for all of my sisters and brothers tonight, Father, for those who are uh, standing before us, sitting before us, and those who are online. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity that, that you give us to share your word. So I, I pray that every heart will be open, every eye, every ear will be open to receive what you have for us tonight, Father. And you sent me here, Father, knowing that uh, your purpose tonight is to challenge our friends. Uh, and I pray that that would occur. I pray that everyone that walked in here tonight would walk out maybe slightly differently than when they walked in, knowing more about you, Father. So help us to understand your heart. Help us to allow our hearts to be enlarged so that we can receive more of you. Help us to just be grateful for how you just uh, continue to provide those endless mercies, Father. How you provide those uh, unnumberable uh, opportunities to encourage and be encouraged by one another. And we pray, Father, that you would have your way in this place tonight. May you receive the glory of all that we do and say in the name of Jesus. Amen. The last time I got to teach, we were in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we got as far as uh, verse 10, 1 through 10. And purposely, uh, we tried to rein it in so that we would get a chance to, to talk about, uh, to first of all, to finish this chapter, Lord willing. And then secondly, to understand the people that Paul was surrounded by, and why. We won't know in death all of them. We'll know their names, but not as how they came to be a part of, of Paul's uh, into the, the message here. But if, I, I can say if we go back into the book of Acts, that would explain a lot of the things that we're going to talk about. So it's just going to be a brief summary of all the people that were involved. And then I'm going to pose a question to you. Uh, did Jesus need the disciples in order for his mission to be accomplished? Did Paul need to be surrounded by these men and women in order for God's mission to be accomplished? Does the body of Christ need your involvement in order for our mission to be accomplished? Three separate questions. You may have different answers for each. But uh, just, just ponder that and ask yourself those three things. And whether you say yes or no, that's from your heart. So no one should debate that. No one should question your answer or your motive for your answer. But just think about those things. And, and by the time we get done with this, hopefully those questions will make more sense. So let's, uh, let's dig in. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at, at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith, did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet, greet Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila 
in the household of Omniferous. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. And Luke, in, in this verse 11, Paul refers to Luke. This is Luke, the author of the gospel of Luke and, and Acts. It was Paul's friend and personal physician. And Luke could not carry the burden of ministry in Rome by himself. And, and that was one of the questions that I posed to you. Did Paul need these? Luke, uh, Luke could not carry the burden of the ministry by himself. Uh, could Paul carry the, the, the weight of the ministry by himself? Can we carry the weight of the ministry by ourselves? Again, not giving answers, just asking questions. Mark lived somewhere along the, 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 the route that Timothy would take from Ephesus to Rome, and that's why he asked him to, to get Mark and bring him with you. Mark was the author of the Gospel of Mark, and he was a fellow worker and had once left Paul and Barnabas in shame. But by this time, he had become a valued servant. And it just shows us that we may not start out in the right way, or we may begin in the right way and then go the other, in the other direction. But the Lord has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. As in this case, uh, we know that uh, one of the things that, that I say a lot, and, and I really believe this, that a lot of times we don't see the spiritual growth through separation. And what the Lord will do, he will separate you from a situation so that it will allow you to grow. It would be uh, equivalent to uh, planting a seed in the ground and then covering it with rocks. And that those seeds or that plant may not have enough room to push up through those. So we have to think of ourselves that way. What has, what has the Lord done for you? What has he prepared you for? And sometimes we don't know. There's some of us here tonight still wondering, what is my mission in life? At what point do we know? We don't. We just keep going, keep going, keep aiming for that mark. And the Lord will have his way in our lives. And again, uh, one of the things that I say a lot, and I mean it a lot, is the only ability that you need to serve the Lord is availability. That's it. Well, I'm a really smart guy, so I know the Lord can use me. Okay, donkey. Yeah, okay. You know, and that's how we think. And, and we have these gifts. We have these talents. We have these skills. And we think that's what we have to offer. And sometimes, just the contrary, to contrary, that's not what the Lord wants from us. You know, we want to be the brain. The Lord wants us to be hands and feet. The Lord wants us to be ears. The Lord wants us to be eyes. We have to be open to receive what he has for us, not determine for ourselves. Well, I spent a lifetime honing my skills in this area, so I'm going to serve the Lord with those same skills. That may not be the case. We have to be open. We have to be available. We have to allow ourselves to be open to what the Lord has, not what we have, not what we think. I want to worship the Lord with my strength. The Lord said, no, I want you to worship with your weakness. Well, that doesn't make sense, Lord. I'm, I'm really gifted at this. Well, depends on who's judging. So who's the ultimate judge? Our Lord and Savior. Uh, verse 12, Antiochus, I have sent to Ephesus. And Paul had either sent Tychus to Ephesus earlier or he was sending him there to deliver this second letter to Timothy. And he had previously delivered Paul's letters to the church in Ephesus, Galas, and possibly to Titus. And this, this man was very busy, very busy um, being helping Paul out in so many ways. And it goes well beyond what you, what you see here, but you get much more of, of how these men and women were dedicated to the cause by reading the book of Acts. So I, I want to continue to encourage you to, to check it out because you can see us in each and every one of these people. You can see you. You can see where they went in with uh, uh, one motive and the Lord changed their heart. 
They might have gone in with uh, what they thought was the right thing or the right purpose for their lives, and the Lord might have changed it. That's what we got to be open. And uh, in verse 13, Paul says, Bring the cloak that I left with, uh, with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. And, and as we get down, we'll, we'll talk about, and, and I'm not going to say the, the cloak was insignificant. It's very significant because Paul's in the Roman jail cell now. And unlike today, uh, we didn't want to put our prisoners uh, through hard time here. You know, we wanted to make sure that they were comfortable in prison, in jail. That wasn't the case in Rome. That wasn't the case with Paul. So nobody was concerned about Paul's creature comforts. So Paul said, bring me something to keep me warm. So that was important. And Paul was about to face the cold weather. So he sent for his cloak, which was a large, heavy wool garment that doubled as a coat and a blanket. And you say, well, what does that have to do with it? It has a lot to do with it. Because when they put Paul in that Roman jail cell, that was it. You're here for the duration. And we're not concerned about whether you're comfortable. We're not concerned whether you're... You're not getting the right diet. We're not concerned about, you know, the other people that may mistreat you during this process. This is, this is your mission, to be in prison. And, and Paul understood that. So, so he was taking precautions against what was coming. He knew the weather was coming. Carpus was unknown to us, but he was an acquaintance of Mark. Uh, I'm sorry, of Paul. And his name meant... Uh, I'll tell you what his name means, but the, 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 uh, the terminology has changed today. The name Carpus meant fruit. And today, uh, we got a little different meaning of that. When we say that, we don't think of an orange or an apple. So that was his name. And uh, Troas, again, he was from Troas. It was a seaport in Phrygia in Asia Minor. And the books refer to the papyrus scrolls. And they were possibly Old Testament books. And the parchments were vellum sheets made of treated animal hides. And they were extremely expensive, just the sheer fact that they were animal hides. So they had to be, be uh, tan. And they may have been copies of letters Paul had written or blank sheets for writing letters in the future. And that uh, Paul was preparing himself. And it believed that when Paul was arrested in Troas, he didn't have an opportunity to go and retrieve these books and these parchments to bring with him, nor his cloak. And cloak wasn't an issue at the time, but he really wanted those books. He wanted to make sure that he was getting the message out to the people in these churches. No different from where we are today. It's not books. It's not parchments. It's the word, the word of God. And I pray that everyone in here tonight, everyone there tonight, would not be ashamed of the gospel. We're failing, folks. And, and again, this is not to make anyone feel guilty or not lay a guilt trip on anyone or, or condemnation, but we're allowing too many things to get past us now. And um, we see what's happening in our country. We see what's happening in our world. We see the laws that are being made to subdue the Christian life. We see the laws that are being made to basically eliminate the Christian life, at least above ground. And we're, we're being idle. We're standing still. God didn't, uh, has not called us to go out and bust heads. Not at all. But we are, I, I used to say the silent majority, but I'm, I'm hesitant to say that anymore. We need to make our presence known. We don't have to carry picket signs. We don't have to go out and yell and scream in front of the city hall. But we need to know, and, and I'm, I'm concerned as a Christian that those small groups that are making the noise are going to eventually cause us to have to go underground. We're not going to stop. And that's one thing that we know, the gates of hell would not prevail. We're not going to stop teaching, preaching, the word of God, but there may be a times when this will be a grocery store again or a pharmacy. And we say, what happened? What happened is what has happened throughout history. Where were we? 
when they passed laws that made abortion illegal. Uh, legal, excuse me. Where were we? Where were we when Roe versus Wade? Where were we when they took prayer out of school? Where were we when they said that you as a Christian cannot come in and stand in front of my child and teach? But if you're of another religious system, it's okay. Where were we? Well, brother, you know, the Lord just called me to stay home and pray. Easy, brother. Lord just called me to stay home and pray. And that's okay. And don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm never going to underestimate the power of prayer because I know, and the Lord has shown us many, many, many times, prayer changes things. But there's also a time when we need to take a stand. We see what's happening right now throughout the country. You know, uh, they, they're inventing laws that will perverse, prevent us from assembling as Christians. Where are we? We need to be active. We need to be visible. And that's all it requires. It doesn't require a lot of noise. A lighthouse does a lot of good, but it makes no noise. Does a world of good for everybody, all, the, all concerned. The lighthouse does wonders. Doesn't make a sound. We as Christians also have the ability to do that. Just be visible. Let your light shine. And there's so many of us who are afraid of, uh, we say we're not afraid of the world, but our actions say otherwise. It's okay to pray here. It's okay to pray at home. It's okay to pray in your closet. But at some point, we have to be visible. Oh, well, the Christians do care. I didn't think they cared because we never see them. We, we never hear them. And our world is counting on that now. And I say our world because we're in it. We may be visitors, but we're still affected by what's going on. We need to be active. And there's so many times, and there's so many, so many examples that we could cite. Some of you, things that I, I, I don't even enter my mind as this happened because we didn't take action. We didn't take a part. But brother, we prayed. That's all we can do. Really. Um, verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Although Alexander the coppersmith was probably not the same Alexander that Paul delivered to Satan in Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 1.20, this Alexander may have been an idol maker. Uh, this same man opposed Paul's teaching and likely spread his own false doctrine. He may have been instrumental in Paul's arrest. And Paul left vengeance in, the, in God's hands. And we're in, in Deuteronomy 32, 35, it says, Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their feet shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things to come hasten upon them. God is going to have the last word. Regardless of what we stand by and allow to happen, God's going to have the last word. We can also, we're also reminded in uh, Romans 12, 19, that, that says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So it does, we don't have to go out and, and, and try and destroy these groups that are opposed to us but we need to be visible. They need to know that we do exist. They know we exist, but they don't see us. So it must be okay. The fact that we're not in opposition, and when I say we, I'm making a general statement. I realize that there are people who are out there on the front lines doing things, uh, showing opposition to it. But when I say we, Keep in mind this general, and there was somebody, well, what's he saying, that I'm not doing anything? Maybe you are. 
But this is a case where numbers matter. And it makes a big difference, the fact that they see us, they know us. They, they know that we're just not going to stand and take anything. If you stand for nothing, that means you stand for anything. We need to be visible. Can't stress it enough. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. 15. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. They're resisting our words today. The world still greatly resists our words. If they, if they don't resist our words, maybe our words are the same as theirs. Maybe that's why they don't resist our words. Some of us are Christian chameleons. There's no such thing as that. Know that you know that you know that you're a child of God. Not just say it, not just preach it, but live it. And that's what they need to see. For our words to be the same as theirs, this must not be. This cannot be. We have to take a stand. We have to be different. We have to be unique. We must. It's not a suggestion, my friends. We must. We're going to we're sit here now, and the next thing we know, the, we can't even imagine what's coming next. We can't. Look what's happening in our world. And the, the part that I see uh, it mainly is the fact that these things are only important when it affects us directly. Well, I know all these things are going on in school, but we don't have any kids in school, so we're okay. No, you're not. What's next? What's next? What will be allowed next? What will be the next law on the docket that says, and I use this one, maybe overuse it, but it's okay. Pedophiles have their rights. Now what do you do? Oh, I never thought we'd get there. So you're saying that we're violating his or her rights by saying they can't move across the street from the high school? Once upon a time, you know, we had laws against that. Yeah, once upon a time. That's good for fairy tales. This is reality, my friends. We got to step up. We got to step out. We got to show up. And I don't know what that means in your heart. I can't know. I know what it means in my heart. We need to take a stand. Verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Uh, in, in the Greek, defense can be translated as apology or apologetics. It refers to a verbal defense used in a court of law. And in the Roman legal system, an accused person received two hearings. The first, prima actio, much like a contemporary arraignment, established a charge and determined if there was a need for a trial. Do we really need a trial? Secondly, the secunda actio then established the accused guilt or innocence. In this case, Paul's referring to the first one, the prima actio. And again, that's what we are now. We're being questioned about whether we can legally attend services. It's a question. Are we going to continue to allow these Christians to do this? Now, what I see is when you hear this, when you see this, when you read this, you'll notice that it's primarily Christians. When was the last time you read or heard that we're going to shut down the mosque? We're going to prevent you guys from getting together and worshiping. When was the last time you heard that? When was the last time you heard of another religious system that had the threat of being shut down? Some of you may have. I'm, I'm tuned out, so I really don't know. But when it comes to the Christians, that's the goal. That seems to be the aim. 
And we could say, well, brother, uh, the word of God says it's coming. But, you know, he'll have the last say. So we're just preparing for those end times. That's not what he wants. Wait on the Lord. In the meantime, you got to be about his business. Got to be. Like Stephen, uh, Stephen, Stephen in Acts 7.60, he said, Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this, with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, that's good in one way and not so good in another. We don't have to have vengeance against them. Stephen was visible. Paul was visible. Luke was visible. Timothy was visible. They were out there doing it, working, doing the Lord's work. And we do a great job within these walls. We're all holy. We're all saints within these walls. What do you do when you step out that door and you're in your mission field? Are you the same person? Are you someone different? Does your friend, do your friends, do your family know with no uncertain, in no uncertain terms that you are a Christian? Do they know that? Well, I have to tone it down when I'm with Uncle John and Aunt Mary. Why? The word of God says, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Are we devoted to the cause? Or are we just doing it part time? Are we lukewarm? Do we have a divided heart? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. Where are you, Christian? Brothers and sisters, where art thou? Where are you? Where am I? You know, we could talk a good game because we're safe here. Nobody's going to attack me for what I say. But outside, they might. They will. There's no question. They are. They're doing it. They're attacking me. Um, and the worst situation that we're experiencing right now is the old buffet-style Christians. I can pick and choose what part I want to believe from the Bible. A conversation yesterday, this wasn't part of what I intended to do, but I allowed someone to get to me. You know, this is a person who was convincing me that the reason I had certain ailments is because I wasn't praying hard enough. And some of you might have just let that roll off, but I wasn't able to do that. So I just, you know, I didn't get abrasive. I just said, so this person went on to tell me how, well, I had problem with this, and I just prayed and prayed and prayed, and the Lord delivered me. So you got to do the same thing. It's like, no, there's no pattern. This is what you do. If you've got issues with certain things, then you just pray like I do, and and you'll be okay. No. So I said, uh, did Paul believe in God? Did Paul trust him? Well, absolutely. Did Paul have a thorn in the flesh? Well, uh, you don't know what that means. No, that's not the point. It doesn't really matter what it was. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient. And Paul accepted that. And the point that I'm making here is when we go out and we're giving information to others that we don't even take for ourselves, that's wrong. I can tell you how to run your home. I can tell you how to handle your children. I can tell you how to take control of the things that are going on in your life. Oh, you want me to live it? I don't think so. It doesn't quite work for me. So why are you giving advice that doesn't even work for you to someone else? That's not right. So as it came down to the fact that, you know, let's just don't get into it. Don't get into these, these debates. Just walk away. And that's what I had to do. But I, Lord, I, I just pray that, you know, you deliver me from this. It's a challenge. And, you know, I, I, I sometimes want to convince myself that I'm pretty mellow. But when it comes to the thing of God, when it comes to these, 
these uh, cookie cutter, these these uh, buffet style Christians, it, it 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 can become an irritant because now you're picking and choosing what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe, and that's not the gospel. You either believe this whole book or you believe none of this book. Well, I believe in the beginning God, but I don't know about this part about don't forsake assembly of the saints. That's totally different. It's in there. It's all in there together. So how do you go in and you decide? Basically, it's a thing of convenience. I don't think that I have to do this. I don't, I don't even think I have to go to church at all, as a matter of fact, because I can stay home and I can turn on Charles Stanley and, do, and I can multitask at home. Nothing against Charles Stanley, folks. Don't misunderstand. I, I think he's a great preacher. But it could be any. Name him. You name him. Uh, you know, Creflo Dollar. Let's go with that. <laughs> ooh, ooh, Richard, don't go there, bro. <laughs> Stay away from that, man. Sacrilegious. <laughs> uh, but let's, let's just be serious about this. Let's, let's take this very seriously because it is serious. And, and, and when I think about uh, some of the people that we're surrounded by, uh, they seem to have a, a, a totally different perspective about the church in general. You know, they think the church should be based around them and the way they live, the way they choose to live. So sometimes they get bothered by something that's said. Well, how dare you call me a sinner? Well, you know, Jesus said it. Argue with him. Well, he didn't call me a Yeah, he did call you a sinner. Absolutely. No question about it. I can show you. Yep. All have sinned. And no matter what language you're speaking in, all means all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be <laughs> wow, preached fully through me. And that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And, uh, you know, uh, this morning uh, we heard, uh, you know, that we need teeth, the gospel. We need to put teeth back into it. And I say in addition to teeth, hands and feet. We need to be active. We need to serve. And there's so many that are going unencouraged because we're not taking the time. There are people who come into these walls on Sunday mornings and they never get acknowledged. That shouldn't be. You know, even if they get acknowledged at the front door, they should be acknowledged from the time they walk in that door to the time they sit down and afterwards. And this is something that we, as leaders of this particular body of believers, have to be concerned with, and we are concerned with it. Because we want everyone who walks in here to feel welcome, no matter who it is, no matter how they're dressed, within reason. Um, and we just need to have a heart for people. We have uh, uh, leaders here um, that encourage that. But our pastor has limited eyes. He has a limited number of eyes. Pastors, associate pastors have limited number of eyes. We can't see everything. We need your involvement. We need to hear from you. Well, he's a senior pastor. He should know this. How can he know? He may not. So you take a responsibility. I want to make, the only way you're going to know that he knows that is you tell him. Make him aware. Make us aware. We're okay. You know, for the most part, you know, we'll, we'll, we can take it. You know, some, sometimes late Tuesday afternoon, maybe not so much, but, you know, it's just, we need to know. Talk to us. Um, again, we have limited eyes, limited feet, limited hands. We, we can't. And that's why I think about, you know, the questions that I ask. Does Jesus need the disciples? Did Paul need these men and women around him? Does our pastor need us? Does he need us? You answer it. He can't know. 
He's been blessed with a pure heart, but he does not have the gift of omnipresence. Doesn't have it, nor any of us. Let us know and, and be open, have a heart for loving people so that when someone sits in that prayer on Tuesday nights and you see an obvious struggle, acknowledge it. Nah, he'll be okay. She'll be okay. No, you don't know that. If the Lord wanted you to pick up on their discouragement tomorrow, he would have told you tomorrow. This person comes into prayer, and they're struggling. Pray with them. Pray for them. Let them know that you're there for them. It's so important. And the reason I'm bringing this up, my friends, is because we get to see this. We get to see this on a weekly basis. We get to see people that are struggling, and, and sometimes we get an opportunity to approach them. Sometimes we don't. So we need you. We need your, your involvement in, in the ministry. We need you for other things as well. We need you for, the, for the, some of the physical things of the body. But we need your prayers. We need your involvement. We need your hearts. So we beseech you to lend your hearts to the ministry. And there's so many that need our help in so many ways. And we, we can't always give. Most of us have families that take a good portion of our time. But the thing is, God gave you 24 hours. He gave you 24 hours and you 24 hours. So really what it comes down to is, what's your priority? Well, I really don't have time because, uh, you know, if, if I go to minister to them, that means I'm going to miss my show. Please, stop. What is your priority? You know, well, the, you know, I got to get with the boys and we're going to go play a little basketball. As opposed to ministering to your sister or brother in Christ. Well, I got a quilting club on Wednesday nights. I don't want don't to mess that up. Lord, help. The Lord keeps his promise to never leave us nor forsake us, his children. And as he has done in the past, Paul was able to proclaim the gospel as he stood before the Romans. Paul knew that the Lord was with him. Paul knows that the Lord will be with him no matter what. He knows that the Lord, and the thing is, a guy like Paul, he knew that he was going to go through trying times. Even now, Paul knows that, you know, uh, as, as the, the, the older folks used to say, knocking on death's door. And Paul knows he's there, but he has not given up. He truly believes in his heart that the Lord would never leave or forsake his children. And as he's done in the past, Paul was to proclaim the gospel as he stood before the Romans. And he did. We have to proclaim the gospel as we stand before the Romans. Where's your heart? Is it for the things of God? Or are all our motives selfish? We need to ask ourselves that question. By reclaiming the gospel to such a cosmopolitan pagan audience, Paul could say that he had reached all the Gentiles with the gospel. This was a fulfillment of his commission. That was his goal. That was his aim. Our aim is to fulfill the mission that God has given us. What is it? If you don't know, pray for it. And you may be in it. You may be going in it. I pray that you're not coming out of it yet unless the Lord, it be the Lord's will. There's so much work to be done. And we can't do this. We can't do this anymore, folks. Is his responsibility. Is her responsibility. We can ill afford to do that. We can't. Can't. Don't like that word. <laughs> it means impossible. And the Bible says all things are possible. In those who are in Christ Jesus. Do we believe that? And in this case, when uh, Paul talked about uh, the mouth of the lion. The mouth of the lion was a common figure for mortal danger and a common occurrence for Paul. Paul saw the mouth of the lion a lot. If you think about, you know, again, referring to the book of Acts, all the things that he went through, he could see the lion in front of him. 
And sometimes we can see the line in front of us. But the reason that the Lord says, don't fear, do not be afraid. Don't fear, do not be afraid. Numerous times. Because he knows that we have a tendency for the flesh to be afraid. Saying, take a stand. I will protect you. Well, I believe that, but... No, you just canceled out that whole sentence. Do you trust God? Do you believe in him? Do you know that he will deliver you from no matter what you're going through? There have been ones in the room that I know of that have been sick at some point. And the Lord delivered every one of them. There are people sitting here tonight that have gone through things that they never imagined. Didn't even think they were going to get through them. But God showed his goodness by delivering them from that. Some of it physical, some of it financially, some of it spiritual. But he delivered. He kept his word. He can't help it. He can't lie. So he kept his word. I will protect you. I will keep you from the mouth of the lion. I will keep you from the wiles of the enemy. I will protect you no matter what. And again, think about what you've gone through. Wow, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to bounce back from this one. You have. You have. Everyone in this room tonight looks relatively healthy. There's some. Uh, but still, the God is with you. He's with you. He's, he's protecting you. He's taking care of you no matter what. So don't give up. Don't, don't stop trusting him. Don't stop, you know, believing because he wants to do great things in us, for us, and through us. And sometimes the, the worst roadblock, the worst obstacle is us. We don't believe. I say I believe with my mouth, but with my heart I'm far away from him. We got to believe. We must. Verse 18, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom to him be glory forever and ever amen on the basis of the lord's present work strengthening and standing with paul paul had hopes for the lord's future work base your belief on what the lord is doing and that will encourage you for what he's going to do Guaranteed, my friends. He will show you. He will make it clear in no uncertain terms that he's got you covered. He will. And just the two words, and they're very profound but very simple. Only believe. That's it? Yeah. Only believe. Well, I thought the gospel was more... more uh, complex than that it isn't it is not and the only way that you can think is complex is you allow someone else to convince you that it is if you're digging in daily if you're reading the word praying praying for understanding of his word praying for understanding of more knowing his heart more then only believe is not complex at all the gospel is simple it really is Paul knew uh, that God would deliver him from all temptations and plots against him. And, and 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, encourage us with these words. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. Burdened beyond measure. This weight is so heavy you can't even quantify it. Lord, how am I ever going to bounce back from this surgery? I, th I, think I'm, I think I'm done. Lord, I know you're with me, but I'm telling you, man, this is, this is as heavy as it gets. Okay? Hmm. Above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had to send us to death in ourselves, 
that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver. Deliver and deliver and deliver and deliver. The man is unstoppable. He just keeps on pouring it out. You had a rough night. You lay down. You wake up the next morning. New mercies sprinkle all over your pillow. Lord, I don't deserve this. Yeah, I know. You're right. You don't. My mercy, my grace. I want you to believe. I want you to trust me. I want you to give me your heart. I want you to allow me to guide your steps. I want you to allow me to place your thoughts. I need you to allow me to enlarge your heart so you can, uh, I can impute even more of me. That's what he wants from us. Can we do it? Mm. Will we do it? Mm. It's individual. That's why we stress a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Personal. He's going to work in you what he needs to. He's going to work out of you what he needs to. But here's a rub. Free will. What a drag. But Lord, just, just wire me so I'll just do what you say. No, no, I did not. I purposely did not create robots. I created humankind. You got a choice. Are you going to love me or not? Are you going to serve other gods or not? Choose this day who you will serve. As far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's where we need to be. And mean it, not just say it, not just quote scripture. Mean it. Who are you choosing this day? Who are you choosing? Paul knew the um, completion of his, uh, his own, sal own salvation was nearer than when he first believed. Paul knows that he's, he's served, he's fought a good fight. He continues to. Never going to let up. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out in flames if I have to. I'm going to serve this God of mine because, Jesus, I am so in love with you. That's where Paul's heart is. And I pray that we can even begin to comprehend the depths and the heights and the widths of the love of God. I pray for that every day, my friends, every single day. It's vast, much vaster than we could even comprehend. We hear the term of God pay love, but how do we put it in perspective? How do we how do we go about trying to quantify what agape love is, what it does. How do you do that? As a humankind, what is my frame of reference? The closest that we can come is the closest human being who, who has the shortest heartstring between me and that other person. And with God, there is no heartstring. There is no string. His heart is embedded in our heart. So there's no, no distance. But with the, the person that we admire most on this earth, there's a distance. Like it or not. And the reason I say that is because there are certain things that can happen where this person is going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. And it doesn't mean that it's clipped. It just means that the, the, the love doesn't flow anymore. That heartstring is drying up. 
has dried up. And it can be replenished, but temporarily. But with God, it's not possible. If you've got a heart for him, he is all consuming. Free will. 19. Greek Prissa, Prissa and Aquila, or Priscilla and Aquila, in the household of Oniferous. Paul first met these two faithful friends in Corinth after they fled Italy because Claudius had commanded that all the Jews depart from Rome. Get out of Dodge. And they ministered for some time in Ephesus, later returned to Rome for a period of time, and then returned to Ephesus. And they were loyal. They were both loyal to Paul. And, and, and there's a lot to that relationship, but I encourage you to, to read the book of Acts. Omniferous was a loyal co-worker of Paul who became friends of Paul uh, in prison. He was not afraid to visit Paul on a regular basis and minister to Paul's needs. A true friend. True friend. 20. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trifimus I have left in Miletus sick. Erastus sent greetings through Paul to the church at Rome, so he was instrumental in helping Paul get the word out to the church at Rome. Uh, In Corinth, uh, this city was uh, the leading city in Greece, and Erastus was probably the city treasurer of that city. And again, you can check that out for yourself. Uh, Trifimus was a native of Ephesus and had accompanied Paul from Greece to Troas. So these men and women were with Paul, and they stayed the course. For the most part, there were some, and we'll find that, that even in our lives where there are going to be some who are with us and they're going to depart. Like whatever happened to uh, this person, don't know. They just disappeared. And we don't know why. We can't judge them. We don't know if it was something uh, within the gospel that, that we were teaching and preaching that they didn't, didn't agree with. We don't know. But we know that here people just disappear. Whether they're involved directly in the ministry or not, it just happens. And we have to be, we got to move on. We got to move on. We just can't allow ourselves to get sidetracked by some of the things that are going on around us. The gospel must go out. Verse 21, do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you as well as Prudent, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. In verse 13, Paul mentioned the cloak that we talked about earlier coming uh, because of the coming season and the cold jail cell. Paul needed the cloak for warmth. He would have less of an opportunity to use the books and parchments because the length of the daily hours grew shorter in winter. So Paul wanted those parchments. He wanted to get letters out to the churches. But again, he had limited time. But that didn't deter him. We have limited time. We have limited time because of family obligations. Some of us are still in the workforce, so we do have limited times. But as I said earlier, it still comes down to priorities. What are you willing to let go of in order to honor what the Lord has put on your heart, in order to honor the ministry that he's called you to? What are you willing to give up? Or are you willing to give up anything? And are you going to continue to make that your priority? The name Jubilus Prudent, uh, Putins and Linus would, could indicate that they were from Italy and had been uh, members in the Church of Rome. And that could be instrumental if you read into it uh, about the, these men coming from the Church of Rome and then joining Paul on his missionary journey. That's a big step. Big step. And not only that, but in this context, it brings about danger. So you are literally laying your life on the line, literally. But that's what it takes. Sometimes we have to do that. What what does the Lord call a friend? Someone who would lay down his life for his brother. That's a friend. Claudia was a believer and close friend of whom nothing else is known. All we knew that he was close friends of Paul. He was instrumental in the ministry, and he stood by Paul 
through the good times and the bad. And we, can't, we can say that while Paul probably saw more bad times than good, we can't say that. It's just that the gospel made us aware of all the things that Paul went through. And I believe the encouragement is to us to know that it's not going to all be a bed of roses. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be some tribulations. And, and I, I like to think everybody in this room, room knows what that means. I don't know Mark, but I can speak for all you guys that I see on a weekly basis. Some of you I look out and, and, and I know some of the trials that you've gone through. I know. And for you to not have faith that the Lord is instrumenting in your life, that's completely absurd. Because there is no way that you did anything to cause your healing. There is no way that because you got the best doctor in town that he prescribed the right stuff and that's how you got healed. Nonsense. There is no way that you shouldn't, can't believe that the true and living God saw fit to extend your life. Why? Because the fields are white and the workers are few. He has a job for you and you and you. He has something for you to do. Are you open to it? Are you available? We need to be. And there's no exceptions to anyone here or there. No exceptions. The Lord has a plan for your life. And it may be different from everybody that you know. Are you willing? Are you willing to lay down your life for your friends? We need to let go of ourselves. There's this word that... that that gets used in the men's study a lot. The word is pride. And a lot of times we can see that shining through when, when uh, the, these men or women want to put their priorities above everybody else. Well, I got a very active life, so I really can't be involved in the church. Hmm. There's a whole lot of things wrong with that statement. But we do hear it. 22, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, grace be with you, amen. And the you is plural in this case, which means it's extended to the entire Ephesians congregation. And it is extended to the full body of Calvary Chapel at Rochester. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, grace be with you. Calvary Chapel of Rochester. Amen. Lord, we thank you for tonight. And I pray, Father, that uh, if I've said even one word that discouraged my sister or brother here, Father, that you would just uh, wipe it from our minds right now. What you put on my heart tonight, Father, was not to cause condemnation. Not to, be call, not to cause any guilt feelings, but tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. I thank you for, for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for giving me an opportunity to share with my sisters and brothers in song and in word the heart of God. So I do pray, Father, that that word was rightly divided. That we didn't create any schisms. That we were able to break down walls. That we were able to cause some, the, the, the brain to think, Father. To cause us to want to know more about you. To cause us to decrease so you can increase in us. So I pray for traveling mercies for each and every one of my brothers, my sisters tonight, Father, as they travel back home. And I pray that you would protect them. And I pray that as you ride along with him, Father, you'll be standing right there waiting to greet them again. And I pray that as we grow closer to you, Father, we come home to be with you, that you'll be able to look and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We love you, Lord. We want to serve you 
all the days of our lives. May we not allow this world to discourage us from being about our Father's business. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out.